My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so excited to bring today's message to you. Hey, before we get there, a couple quick housekeeping things. Uh, Number one, we had about 100 people say, I want to make the decision to make the 8.30 a.m. experience mine. And because of that, y'all, we are making so much more room for people to hear about Jesus in every other experience. I'm going to ask you, hey, consider that yourself if you physically attend Radiate Church to maybe consider the 8.30 yours to make room for someone else to be able to hear about Jesus. The last housekeeping item, and I'm really preaching to myself right now, y'all. Next weekend is Mother's Day. Come on, y'all. It is Mother's Day. Listen, let me tell you something. Guys, I know that you're going to get that really cute crayon, scribbled, misspelled card you're going to give mom, but you better put a gift card in that thing because all the moms just said, Amen. Amen. It is Mother's Day next Sunday. Bring mama to Radiate Church with you. But man, I'm excited to preach today. Um, I think it's been a great series, man. Can we just give it up for this series? Man, this thing's been really cool. We're talking about really common misconceptions and misnomers about things God never said. In the first week, um, we talked about the fact that God never said it's just about our happiness. Uh, How many of you know Happiness can easily change depending on what's going on. God is much more interested in our holiness, our happiness, right? Uh, The second week, we talked about the fact that God never said he would give you more than you can handle. And everybody who's a parent said, amen. God will clearly give you more than you can handle. Somebody asked me one time, what's it like being a parent? I said, well, pretend you're drowning, then someone hands you a kid. So pretend you're drowning, someone hands you a kid. It's tough. But God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. It's quite the opposite. God is going to give you more than you can handle. He'll never give you more that's going to tempt you beyond a way out. God wants us to choose joy, and he wants that joy to be found in him, not entirely based in our circumstance. And last week, we talked about the fact that God never said, it doesn't matter what you do. And Man, what a cool way to see people do something in response to their faith. We've seen three people make a decision for Jesus and 27 baptized. I want to continue to celebrate that. We weren't able to baptize anyone for over a year. That was really exciting. So what is today's message about? It's about the fact that God never said it doesn't matter what you believe. God never said it doesn't matter what you believe. And I was like, do people really think that? Like, isn't, I don't know, the first commandment? Thou shalt not believe anything else. I mean, you have no other gods before me. Like, how is that even a thing? But I don't think we always say it like, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. We kind of say it in different ways. Maybe you've heard somebody say, um, just like the video, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, or it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're good. And this is kind of a challenging thought, but realistically, there are going to be crappy people in heaven one day, and there's going to be phenomenal people in hell for all eternity. Because it really boils down to a relationship with Jesus, because good is relative. And I'll tell you who I'm going to be like really uh, interested in if they make it to heaven. Do you guys know the people who call you all week about your car's extended warranty? <laughs> if they make it to heaven, that is proof of how great God truly is in their grace. <laughs> Maybe you've heard somebody say something like, Um, 
you know, it doesn't matter what you believe because all roads lead to God, right? All roads lead to God. But that's not actually what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to God except through me. All roads don't actually lead to God. Following Jesus leads to God. Maybe you've heard someone say something like, well, aren't all religions just the same? Like, aren't, aren't all the religions just the same? And that's actually not the case either. There are some major differences in all world religions. There's perhaps some fragments of truth and even some fragments of beauty. They don't quite add up. Like, take, for instance, Buddhism, right? There's no final God. There's just this final existence you try to make it to, and it's just countless cycles of being re, reborn and reincarnated, right? You do something good, you come back as somebody good. You do something bad, you come back a Clemson fan, right? We're all familiar with it. Insert Carolina if you want. I'm still paying them a lot of money, so I can't do that. Hinduism, impersonal God that has to be approached through statues and deities and rituals, right? And, and neither of those actually deal with sin, the really dumb things we do, and the really horrific things that we do as people. And then we have a f- different face like Islam. And in Islam, there is a personal God, uh, Allah. Um, but the issue is, is that following Allah is all about religious devotion. It's about what you do that gets you to your final existence in heaven. We have stuff like New Age philosophy, which is all about the cosmos and one big consciousness, and we're all part of one big universe, right? And then we arrive at Christianity. Christianity has a personable God, um, somebody a lot like us, right, that can love, that is honoring, but then in a lot of ways not like us. It's outside of space-time. Um, it's everywhere all the time. Um, but God sends Jesus, and in Jesus we actually get to deal with this sin issue, this corruption, this pollution that we experience in our world. I would say all world religions are not the same. Some fragments of truth, some fragments of beauty, but they don't quite get us there. Part of me even thinks, really, I don't even think people mind talking about spirituality or even God in general. Like Sometimes I think God gets credit for things that he doesn't do. Like, have you ever ever seen somebody, like, win an award, and they're like, first off, I want to thank God. And you're like, for making the R-rated movie? Like, did God have a part in that? I don't know. People give God credit sometimes for things he doesn't do. And we can talk about God, and we can talk about spirituality. But at the end of the day, if we bring up certain words, it really makes people uncomfortable, right? I think one of those words is the Bible. And I get it. The Bible's tough. And maybe you Maybe you think the Bible's for some old fuddy-dud or something like that. But let me tell you something. The Bible gets people stirred up because it's challenging. It's tough. It's hard. And I get it. Those challenges at the beginning of the Bible, they're pretty tough, man. Like it starts out like, hey, don't eat this fruit. Okay, we're not going to eat this fruit. Okay, build me a boat. Okay, we'll build you a boat. Now, cut off part of your manhood. It's like, uh, what if we build you two boats? <laughs> like, it's tough. I get it. The Bible is challenging. People will talk about God, they'll talk about spirituality, but sometimes people freak out if you talk about Jesus, right? I don't even think sometimes Christians don't want to talk about Jesus. Have you ever had somebody come and knock on your door and like, hey, could you spare a minute and talk about Jesus? And you're like, uh, we're not home. People will talk about God and spirituality, but sometimes talking about Jesus 
freaks people out. So I'm going to ask you to consider a couple things today as we talk about the fact that God never said it doesn't matter what you believe. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to consider our church. I love our church. I'm not just saying that because I work here. I love our church. Our church has been a part of life change that I've experienced, but I'm, I'm not going to even ask you to consider that. I'm not going to ask you to consider Christians or being a Christian today. I think we probably all know someone who's a Christian that you're like, that's how Jesus acted? Like, no, 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 no. I want to ask you to consider a couple things. I'm not going to ask you to consider the church or Christianity, and we're going to start right now with point number one. I'm going to ask you to consider, consider not adding to the Bible. Let's just talk about the Bible alone for a minute. Consider not adding to the Bible. So you might be asking yourself, what is the Bible, right? I think of the Bible in three parts. There's the Hebrew scriptures where God has created, he's created community with himself and humans, that plan gets compromised, and we spend generations trying to get that right. And then we land at the second part, which is the Gospels. God inserts himself in the story in the person of Jesus. He rescues and redeems everything. And then the third part are the letters, which is how those first people started to tell that message to the entire rest of the world. And people tend to go, well, can we even rely on the Bible? And scholars believe the Bible is 99.9, carry the 9% accurate, only with a couple spelling variations here and there, nothing that would challenge our faith. Well, how do they, get, how do they even arrive at that? Every known text ever found is consistent throughout time, and the Bible is completely in integrity, right? So what do I even mean by don't add to the Bible? I want to show you a passage is Proverbs chapter 30, and we're going to read verses 5 through 6. And it says this, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you, and you will be proved a liar. You'll be proved a liar. So what do I mean by don't add stuff to the Bible? Just leave, let's just consider the Bible alone, right? is let's don't add extra stuff to the Bible. For instance, it's not the Bible plus our horoscope, right? It's not the Bible plus a fortune cookie, okay? When it comes to the moon and the stars, the Bible said God created those, they actually worship him. It's not the Bible plus our horoscope. It's not the Bible plus other religious text. Like, that's one of the problems with the Mormon faith is that we've added extra experiences and extra text to it. So was the Bible not enough? Did, is God not powerful enough that he could have did it all in one take? We have to be careful not to add extra stuff. Let's leave the Bible alone. Let's consider not adding extra religious experiences to the Bible as well. What do I mean by that? God is never going to reveal something to you or anyone counter to what he says in the Bible, right? We all know somebody who, and we've all, maybe it's been us, right? We've been doing something we know we shouldn't do, and we're like, well, I prayed about it, and God didn't say it was not okay, or whatever. It's like, no, you want to do that. Let's leave God out of it. Let's leave the extra religious experiences out of that. God's not going to reveal or tell you something counter to what he tells us in the Bible. I want to read you a passage 
uh, in Revelation chapter 22. Everybody said, Revelation, isn't that a horror movie? Right? Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19, they say this. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book, of the prophecy, God will take away from his part, from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. What is John saying? John's concluding the letter of Revelation. And he's saying that what God has given us up to this point is enough alone. We don't have to add extra experiences to that. Now, is God going to reveal things that are personal to you? 100%. Is God going to choose certain people to reveal things to perhaps about our future? Yeah, I, I believe our Bible does actually suggest that. But not every religious experience that you have, if it is counter to the Bible, needs to be added on to the Bible itself. I think we should also consider not adding our own beliefs to the Bible. I think we can really get in trouble with that. Because see, what I'm really saying whenever I add what I believe on top of the Bible we already have, what I'm saying to the author is that I'm now the editor. The author wasn't good enough. I had to personally go edit it the way I see fit. And that's incredibly dangerous. The Bible has a fixed finite position on so many things. The Bible has a fixed finite position on sexuality. Jesus said, one man, one woman, one flesh. That's his words, not mine. The Bible has a fixed position on marriage. It said, guys, you are to love your wife just like Jesus loves the church. That is not verbally abusing her. That is not physically abusing her. You are to love her the way I love the church. The Bible has a fixed position on politics. We honor those in authority. The Bible has a fixed position on generosity. If you're faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. If you're righteous with little, you can be righteous with much. It has a fixed position on sin, on idols, things we replace God with in our life. It, nothing gets ahead of him. It has a fixed position on loving people who are different, who don't look or act like you and I, right? So what do I mean about let's don't add our stuff on top of the Bible? Let's don't add our beliefs on there. Follow me for a second. If truth is relative to culture belief, right? If truth can bend, right? And if the Bible has to bend with that, then the Bible is not absolute. If God said it was, then he is not absolute, thus does not exist. Do you follow me? The Bible does not bend to culture. It does not bend to what I want to add to it. Because if it can do that, then it's not real. We have to be very careful not to add our own beliefs. So I'm going to ask you, please consider the Bible alone. Number one, consider the Bible alone. Don't add to it. Second thing is consider Jesus alone. Consider Jesus alone. Like, let me reiterate for a second. Like, I'm not asking you to consider the church. I'm not asking you to consider Christianity right now. Just consider Jesus alone. Let's take his ministry, for example. Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And I want to show you who Jesus come to serve. This is going to be helpful. I'm going to read Mark chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. It says, 
when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. They said to his disciple, ew, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? That's how I pretend they said it. And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I did not come to call the righteous, but Travis. I did not come to call the righteous, but insert your name there. See, we live in a world where people will cancel us and despise us, but Jesus loves in despite of things. We live in a world where people will criticize us about our past and whatever brought you in here today, but Jesus died to redeem our past for such a brighter future tomorrow. There's a story in our Bible where Jesus is defending uh, a woman who all these religious people want to stone to death for her sin. And he tells them, he who is without sin cast the first stone to this lady. And you know, I feel sure he would do the exact same thing for me today. Hey, whoever's without sin, you can cast a stone at Travis over here. We live in a world where people suffer, man. We suffer in ways we can see. We suffer in ways we can't see. Jesus comes to heal. When you read a story in your Bible of Jesus doing a healing, I want you to understand he's proving I can heal the things you can see, thus I have power to heal the things you can't see as well. Consider Jesus's ministry. I would even argue to you this. Jesus did not come to earth and have an earthly ministry to make you better. He came to make you new. Jesus didn't come to make you better. He came to make you brand new. It's really interesting. There's a story in John 3 where one of these religious officials, right, somebody who's all about status, how the world sees me, am I doing all the right things, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want to even be found out, right? And he comes to Jesus, and he's just so interested about the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus said, following him, watch this, Jesus said, following him would be so different it is as if you were born on earth for a second time. He didn't say he would make you better. He said it would make you new. Jesus' ministry is about making people brand spanking new. I'd ask you even to consider the resurrection and eternal message of Jesus as well. Consider the resurrection and eternal message of Jesus. And I know this one hangs people up sometimes because the resurrection story is pretty supernatural. I get that, I get that. But part of me is like, so you mean to tell me 11 small town, undereducated people pulled off the greatest heist in human history by overtaking armed Roman centurions, rolling a boulder, taking a body out of it, then going on and telling everybody that the body wasn't there only to die gruesome deaths for zero personal gain. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Peter says in Acts 3.15, he says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Like, we wouldn't get this story if people didn't experience something so supernatural that changed the entire trajectory of their life, they saw our risen 
king. But then we go, I'll bite, I'll, I'll buy into the resurrection, but why the resurrection? All right, why the resurrection? See, our Bible seemed to suggest there's really only one way to undo this sin condition thing, right? The dumb things we do, the horrific things we do, and all the pollution it causes. And matter of fact, I even propose to you the verse I'm about to read you is why your Bible exists to begin with. I want to read you Genesis 3.15 and then explain it to you. Genesis 3.15 says this, And I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And what the heck did we just read? We're three chapters into Genesis. God has created all of creation. He built us to be in community with him, and we are at the scene of the compromise, right? And so what we see here is the things on, he- on earth want to be like the things in heaven. The things in heaven want to be like the things on earth. So we've got this moment where God is talking to Eve and Adam in a scene where he's talking to the serpent, the snake, the Satan in this scene. And he says a lot of interesting things. He says that somebody is going to come as a human person, just like all of us in this room, but that person is going to experience something quite different. They are going to experience the bite on the hill from the snake. They're going to experience earthly consequence. But, here's the catch, for that person, that wouldn't be the final answer. God said that that person will bruise the head of the serpent. Most versions say God will, or that person will crush the head of the serpent, and we find that in the person of Jesus. He is the rise of the snake crusher. He comes as a human, just like me and you, relates to me and you. Except when it comes to death, death didn't get the final answer. Death didn't get the final answer. He was able to deal with it entirely in a matter of a few days. And the cool thing is this. A relationship with Jesus is the same for you and I. Death doesn't have to be the final answer for us. So I'm going to ask you to consider Jesus alone strictly from his ministry, his resurrection, and the eternal message that that gives each and every one of us. The last thing I would love to ask you to consider today is to consider religion says do where relationship says done. Religion says do where relationship says done. See, we look at a lot of other faiths today, and we've talked about a lot of them, and it's all about what you do, what you can do, right? It's all about your prayers. It's all about how many times you take communion, go to church, whatever. I don't know. But relationship with Jesus is about what's already done. I can't do anything. Like I can't do anything to save myself. I can barely make it through a work week. What am I going to do to get myself into heaven, right? Religion says do, relationship says done. I want to read you one last piece of scripture. It's Romans 3.22. Uh, this comes before a very famous piece of scripture where the Bible says um, that uh, everybody has fell short of the glory of God. Romans 3.22 says this, but it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. 
me say it a different way. We are all made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus, and that is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. We want to say, do, but our relationship with Jesus is able to say, done, no matter who you are, no matter what you do. When I think about religion, like I said, it's all about me. It's all about what I can do. And man, I'm just thinking out loud, like what amount of prayers could you ever pray? Like where's, where's the line? Like what amount of times you go to church or meals you serve, like whatever, like where's the line? And part of me is like, I don't, I don't think we get to know the line or there is no line, number one, but if we knew where it was, we'd all step over it and stop. And that would leave no room for anyone else coming behind us. Religion is about do. Relationship with Jesus is about done. We say it different ways, and we think it different ways sometimes, right? If I obey God, God will love me, right? God will love me more. If I pray longer, God will love me more, right? If I get up and preach a message, God will love me more. But relationship says because God loves me, I can do this. Because God loves me, I can serve meals. I can serve a church. Because God loves me, I can get up and talk about his word. Because God loves me, I want to obey him. I don't obey him to make him love me anymore. I got a piece of paper. It's like somewhere at my house. I have no idea. From the state of South Carolina that says, my wife, Ashley, and I are married. And I never get that piece of paper out and go, this piece of paper is why I'm going to go do the dishes right now, right? This piece of paper is about why, why I'm going to go fold clothes. This piece of paper is getting me a tax break, right? I don't ever say any of those things. It's because I have a relationship with my wife. It's because I love her. I do the dishes, right? I fold the clothes, take the kid to daycare, plan the date nights, give a gift, whatever, it's out of relationship. It's not out of that obedience factor. I need to be obedient to this piece of paper. I need to be obedient to God. It's like, no. Oh, see, I said that wrong. I don't have to be obligated to those things. I get the opportunity to be obedient, right? I don't have to feel obligated to do anything. It's an opportunity. So as we land this thing today, I just want to say, God never said it doesn't matter what you believe. He wants to be the most important thing in your life. He wants you to be able to rely on his word. He wants you to be able to rely on Jesus. And he wants you to be able to rely on relationship. So right now, at this point in the experience, I love this to be able to pray for everybody. So feel free to just bow your head and close your eyes right where you're at, just for a reverent moment where we can pray together as a family. And first off, I love to pray with anyone who's like, you know, I've been kicking the tires on faith, but I can't say I've ever formally wanted to make Jesus the absolute center of my life. The person that I'm willing to trust with the things in this lifetime and the one to come. And if that's you today, don't feel bad about that. Three people made that decision just last week. I'm gonna ask you right now, if that's you, just hold your hand up just for a moment. And the reason why I'm asking you to do that is just so we could place a clipboard in your hand. It is just so that we can, we don't want your information, man. We want to start a relationship with you. That's you online today. Please let us know in the chat. 
And so, church, I like to pray as a family, as people are making that decision right now, just as a family that we just invite, just invite this brand new relationship. And I'm going to ask, would everybody be willing to repeat after me? Could you say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I trust you with all that I am and all that I have. My life is yours. Can we celebrate people who made a decision to place their faith in Jesus today? That's so awesome.